Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Let me tell you about Peterson Toyota, who is our great Ram Nation partner that has been proudly serving the Fort Collins, Windsor, Loveland, and surrounding areas since 1968. They're family-owned and operated, and they're committed to making the car buying and service experience smooth and stress-free with a friendly and accommodating staff in all departments. When you purchase a vehicle from Peterson, your exceptional experience starts with Toyota Care, a no-cost maintenance plan with 24-hour roadside assistance. And when it's time for your factory-scheduled maintenance or repairs, Peterson's express service ensures you're in and out quickly and your car is running optimally. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks and enjoy the show. And you better watch out, you better not try. Welcome everybody to Ram Nation Radio. I am Joel Cantalamessa, joined by Mike Rowe. Today we'll have AD Joe Parker in to join us for an in-depth monthly chat about CSU athletics. We'll talk about what went into the decision to hire Emily Cohan to replace longtime volleyball coach Tom Hilbert. We'll talk about his postseason discussions with Coach Norvell following their 3-9 and nine football season. We'll talk about the new NIL collective, the Green and Gold Guard Collective, um, challenges related in recruiting related to NIL, and, and a lot more. So <clears throat> that'll be a good conversation. Before Joe comes in, we thought it'd be fun to put a bow on this year because this could very well be the last show of the year. We've got Christmas and New Year's coming up. It's going to be tough to find some time to hop on. <clears throat> Mike, I know I didn't uh, really prep you for some of these topics, but uh, I'm going to throw you into it anyway. First, how you doing? Everything good? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Just, uh, man, just trying to finish out the school year or the uh, the fall semester. It's uh, kids are ready. <laughs> kids are ready. I mean, I got the, the the break right before Christmas has got to be tough. Everyone's chomping at the bit to be done. Oh yeah, and just the way the calendar set up, it's it's it was four weeks. Usually Thanksgiving, you got three weeks on it, but uh, man, it's it's been a long four weeks. Well, <clears throat> let's uh, let's start here. And excuse me, I've got a little bit of a cold, so my voice is is not great right now. So if I sound like I need oxygen, I probably do. <laughs> so I was thinking back because we've all been kind of mired in this tough football season, but uh, there were some positives and some good moments this year uh, dating back to last basketball season. What what would have to be your favorite or some of your favorite memories of the year from in CSU athletics? Wow. Um, for the entire year? Dating back to last January. Oh, man. You know, those three... 
those three court stormings in basketball. And I yes. know everyone's like, oh, you got to storm the court for everything. But, you know, beating San Diego State the way we did, I know it was, it was kind of a close game, but we really dominated that. I mean, controlled, I shouldn't say dominate, controlled that Boise State game. And then we beat Wyoming's ass. And and seeing those three games and being there in person and, and you know, experiencing, you know, the Wyoming game with you and, and Balor and, and Riley and being there with my family for the other two games, that was just awesome, you know. And and then being there after those games with, with the players on the court and just how they interacted with with – with Willow, you know, that's, it's just, those are just memories, you know, that I'm going to, we're going to cherish forever. So as a CSU fan and, and as a dad, you know, those are, those are, those are things that just really pop into my head of, of the greatness that was last basketball season. Well, and I know you had a little crimp in your, uh, in your Lasasso award since you had to miss the actual presentation um, on the field, but you did get that cool reception the night before. And I thought that was really awesome. Cause you and Tracy really deserve that as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, that was, uh, and I know that we talked about this. Uh, that was the, the weekend that my father passed away pretty unexpected, but yeah, being there that Friday night of homecoming and, and being there, the, having that, uh, ceremony at, at the stadium at, at canvas and then going to, going to the Skeller for a couple beers and then going to the beer garden and watching the fireworks and being there with all of you guys and, and, you know, all the friends that were there, family that was there and, and seeing the fireworks that, I mean, that's, again, that's the one of the positives of from that weekend and some that, you know, helps yeah. me get through that, that tough memory of, of, you know, <laughs> mid October. Yep. Well, the my my favorite memories were also related to hoops. I mean, Roddy hitting the the game winner against San Diego State at Moby after San Diego State had that huge comeback. Roddy kind of with well, twelve seconds left or something hit the hit the hit the shot, saved the day. That was a court stormer, and then uh, beating Wyo at home was fun. I did have that one on my list. Boise on the road in OT, just fun to watch that one because you don't. It just seems like a place that we lose a lot especially football, but also basketball. Uh, I thought, you know, seeing CSU's name pop up as a number six seed during the March Madness, the NCAA tournament selection show was really cool. I, hiring Jay Norvell was a breath of fresh air. It was something we could all rally around at the time. And then I really, I mean, this is a highlight, even though the game was dog crap, the Michigan trip was sweet. It was so much fun. The game day there was really fun. The tailgating the night before just touring the campus and then just being at the big house. It was all, it was all well worth that trip. So that was cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, in, in our, you know, our time in uh, Indianapolis, <laughs> you know, we had, a, we had a great time, you know, no, God, two of our favorite memories getting our ass kicked by Michigan. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, but <laughs> the that was, that was a fun, that was a fun time with Colby and everybody and, it was an exceptional trip. And that's a fun town to just hang out and, and party and everything's just right there, you know. So this, the arena's right down from where the, all the hotels are. All the bars are right next to the arena. It was awesome. Yeah. That, that second <laughs> night where we just stayed in the hotel bar and watched, yep. watched hoops until yep. freaking 2 in the morning. Yep. It's a great time. 
Uh, how about worst memory? For me, I'll, I'll start. Mine was last week in Boulder. That beat down was embarrassing. We just kind of laid down after the going got tough, hung with them for a little bit, and then just just played no defense, could not make shots, you know, and then just being there. We had great seats, got lucky with a couple seats right behind the bench, right next to the student section. So they were in our ear hole the entire night, just complete assholes, the worst human beings on the planet, bar none. And uh, we just had to sit there and take it because we were getting our butts kicked. And uh, so that one was probably, you know, probably the worst. I was not too happy about that one. Uh, losing at Wyo and Laramie last night was also kind of annoying. We were there for that one. And that one, we sat behind the bench as well, had a chance to win. We blew it, especially kind of a, uh, you had the ball in Isaiah's hands late in the game. Uh, couldn't close it out. I think uh, we missed a free throw as well. Roddy as a Roddy, free yeah. throw. So two of your best guys couldn't help close it out. That was disappointing. You know, and then the loss to Michigan was also really agonizing. But uh, if you put that into proper perspective, I mean, it's only the fourth time that the Rams have been in the NCAA tournament since in the 30 years that I've been a fan. So, you know, you can only really look at that that day, that trip as a positive. So so those are mine. That was my my rough ones. Boulder was just brutal last week. Yeah, you could definitely hear on on TV. <laughs> it sucks to be. It yeah. was very loud and clear. First, Tracy was like, man, we have a lot of fans. And I'm like, they're not saying proud. <laughs> no, they and she was like, oh, okay. Uh, you know, for me, you know, just the basketball season was so magical. I don't really have even those tough losses that you just brought up. Just everything was everything else just kind of was just awesome. I mean, it was it was great. But, you know, going to going to football, Ag Day, you know, that was that was like our biggest tailgate. I mean, you were there. I mean, we had so many people. There was just so much excitement. We had the pizza bar. I mean, it was awesome. Like who's who of Denver radio was there. You know, Susie, Susie Wargen was there. Uh, our good friend. Um, oh my gosh. Well, I can't think of his name on Lens. Marty Lens was there. The ninety, the altitude guys, Moser yep. and and Kane were there. Yep, and I mean the pizza bar was freaking dope. It was that awesome. was awesome. And then to go inside, sell out, near sell out crowd, and just get our crap pushed in <laughs> by a freaking FCS team. Not even competitive. We weren't even competitive in that game. Yeah. It was, I mean, that was just flat out embarrassing, you yeah. know, and I, I was, I was with, I was in the coach's terrace there and, and that was my game to be on parent duty. So I was sober and I had to witness that crap. <laughs> it was, that was brutal. That was, that was bad. And then obviously Wyoming, it was a game that we should have, I mean, we should have beat them and we should have beat them easily. And we end up freaking losing 14-13, and we miss a last-second field goal yep. to win it. You know, that that right there, that's – Well, that's not a bad one. That's uh, That probably should have been up there on my list. That was awful. But that leads me into my next question because I was going back and forth on this between that game and this game. But uh, your best tailgate, my, my choice was – 
I ultimately ended up with the Utah State game, the homecoming crowd. Weather was great. The uh, great tailgate. I mean, the tailgate was awesome. It was packed. There's people everywhere. That was a really fun day. Obviously, another choke job on the field. But um, that that was an awesome tailgate. But you're right. The, uh, the Ag Day, it was Ag Day. Was that the Sacramento State yeah. game? Yeah, that was yep. an awesome day, too. So every, every I mean, what it comes down to is the tailgate is the best part of the day. Oh, right. But uh, yeah, so trying to narrow down which one is the best tailgate of the year is tough. But those two were, were tops. Even the last one, when there was 15,000 fans, it seemed like. Dude, that ham that I smoked was so good. Yeah. Watching watching World Cup. That was <laughs> Watching good. World Cup and, and hanging. Yeah. That was that was good. Um, didn't even have the RV for that one. Didn't even have the RV for that one. One other one other like bad memory from this year. Women's women's soccer. And now again, if you our listeners, if you don't have a Roku device or an Apple TV device or a fire stick, you need to invest in it because it has the Mountain West, has the Mountain West channel on it, and Mountain West app and you can watch like almost all the sports, like anything. And I was, God, man, I was watching that game. We played UNLV and we, we led, we scored early. I want to say we scored like seven minutes into the match and just pretty much dominated them. But they started, they, they, I mean, they had to attack UNLV was, and, and there was about two minutes left. Now it's a little bit different in women's in NCAA uh, women's game. Where it's a it's not a running clock. It, I mean, clock stops. You know when when something happens, so they don't have extra time. So at ninety seconds, I mean, or ninety minutes, it's over. And there's about thirty seconds left, and our keeper collected it and then passed it out. She didn't fall down. I'm screaming at the clock or at the TV saying, "Fall down! Take a yellow card." Of course, UNLV gets the ball. They get it. They get it out of bounds. With three seconds left, they have a corner and, and convert. And we ended up tying one one. And it was just one of those. I was just like so pissed off, like yelling at the screen screen, like, "What are you doing?" Like I'm just uh. So yeah, I, I'm glad no one probably gave a crap about that story, but. <laughs> That was one of the, one of my least favorite memories of, of 2022. Who was your MVP on, in football, uh, offense and defense? <coughs> oh, offensively, it's, it's Horton. I was, I, I can't, it was one of the most impressive years that I've seen from a CSU wideout. And you think about, I mean, think about when we were in school, like D Hall and, and G off Turner and, and, you know, all Dallas Davis, Frank Rice, like, I mean, going back, Higgins, Gallup, uh, the recent ones, Horton's is up there. Horton's year was up there. Like, I was, I mean, he he did so much. Sometimes he tried to do a little too much, that Wyoming game. But I I, I, I just was impressed with, with him, especially you, you look at that Nevada game when they were pushing him every chance they got, like little dirt ball moves by Nevada, and it didn't get him. Yeah, didn't get him at all. That could have been a game where he could have imploded. Yep, and he didn't. He's just like, you know what? I'm just going to do what I can, and we're going to win this game. How about defense? Then, 
defensively, man, Daquan, Kamara, CJ, how, yeah. <laughs> you know, is it, kind of a toss up between those four, you know? Yeah. I think you also got to throw Clay on there as a honorable mention on, uh, on offense, just because of the year he had considering his offensive line that he had to work with. Not True. I, I mean, I would, I would have Morrow probably second. I mean, what he did, I still can't believe how did he not get all mountain West? It just blows my mind. He was like, what, the second leading rusher in, in, in the Mountain West this year? And he didn't even, he couldn't even get honorable mention. That's ridiculous. That stuff doesn't mean a whole lot to me. So I don't necessarily care to bitch, but maybe win more and you might get some of that. But true recognition. But um, how about uh, your hoops MVP so far? And with, so far, like, with Isaiah dude, missing, this season? Yeah, so. This season. Um, this season. Man. That's a tough one. You know, I think if you look through the first eight games, it's probably pretty easy. You know, you got to go with John Tanjay on that. I mean, you look at the last four games, not, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I think the one consistent is going to be Tavy Jackson. You know, I, he's already one of my favorite players. Just I, I like I, I love the way, you know, he doesn't get, he doesn't get frustrated. He doesn't get flustered. You know, you look at that CU game, shit, he was the only one that didn't play scared, to be honest. He didn't get caught in those in those traps. Like, I don't know. I, I like I like his game, and I like what he does all around. I'm excited about his future at CSU, but I think if we're going to these first 12 games, yeah, I think he, it's definitely him. Yeah, I, th- I think I'd have Davey up there for sure, and I'd have Patrick Cartier up there. I think he's yep. he's been a nice – surprise you know he's had a couple down games but over the course of 11 games I think he's been one of your most steady players Tanjay's had good games but he's also had a couple couple tough ones in there especially in key games namely the yeah. CU game <laughs> I need I need I need a performances in in that in your rivalries and and uh, we had some guys that just didn't have it in either of those two in-state games what about um what do you I mean you feeling how are you feeling about the hoop season going forward with, uh, you know, the Mountain West Wire does a league rankings, you know, throughout the year. And uh, right now, I think they had us at sixth. And that's probably where I'd say we should be. It's probably accurate. We're too vulnerable every game to lulls and scoring. Our defense is not what it has been last year. I think Isaiah Stevens is still getting his rhythm back and um, he's just not back to 100% yet. And we're just not getting enough out of our other upperclassmen, our returners, our veterans you know, to, to make me real confident that we're going to be a contender, at least top three in the league. So, you know, if that doesn't change with, with, as far as our, our upperclassmen goes, I don't think we're going to finish higher than sixth. You know, I think we could have a chance at like an NIT or a, you know, one of the smaller tournaments, CBI or the, whatever you call it, the, the, I don't know what they, they rebranded the CIT as, but, you know, and then you get, you get a tough league. It's going to be tough to get roads, Road wins, UNLV in New Mexico are vastly improved. San Diego State's a deep run in the tourney kind of team. Boise is still strong. Utah State and Nevada are decent. I think Wyoming is like the only disappointing team in the league right now as far as, you know, playing below their expectations. So um, it's a tough, tough road. And in, in I, from what I've seen in the non-conference, I'm, I'm not overly confident that we're going to be a, a contender this year. I'm not I'm not as down as you are 
Honestly, I think I think the return of Isaiah Stevens is hurting right now. Come on. I, I thought the first part – no, it, no it, I thought the first part we played more as a team, and I think with his return, we're trying to find that again. Not And it's not because of him. I just I just don't – I think if he would have not been hurt and had been there all preseason and those first seven games – I think it's a completely different team. I think that we're probably maybe two losses right now. If he if he had been there from the start, if he hadn't gotten hurt, I just think that we're just trying to find that identity again with him, with him there. And I think some of the guys that were had stepped up when he was gone, now they don't know where they fit in. And I, and and it's not. And again, it's not. It's not Isaiah's fault. It's not their fault. I just think that. We'll get there. So I'm not I'm not as down as as a lot of people are on this team. You know, I you know, on our private text thread, I, I said I think this is a better team team wise than we were last year, even with David Roddy. I like the way that we moved the ball around. I like the way that we moved on on defense. And since Isaiah's return, we had we lost that. We haven't had that. We're we're we just seem lost. But when we find it, man, I, I like I like it. I like this team. I like this team a lot. All right. Who do you think the best poster, Ram Nation poster, has been this year? Besides oh, man, going up. back to the old rankings. I know. I haven't I haven't had the heart to do it. <laughs> um man, there's there's a you know, I gotta be honest, I don't I don't get on there as much because I get so mad. <laughs> With, with some of them, so I don't I don't read as much as I as I used to. Man, Ryan's always a good one. D bag, he always yeah, can bring so some funny. levity. So funny, can bring some levity to to it, and and he can he can actually you know bring up great points to what the, what he's seeing on the field. Headbutt's pretty good. I know he's he's one of the older guys on there, and and yep. kind of one of the monitors. That chorizo guy, I mean, he's just he's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> he was so right in June about USC and UCLA. <laughs> but I don't know how what who do you think? Who's who's been some I mean of your... it's tough. I mean, I, I have my my favorites, the guys that I like when I see him post, I, I veer towards and make sure I read them. I mean, I've got, you know, I I like I like Tyler Bighorn Sheep is he's uh I know everyone thinks he's a sunshine pumper, but I just think he's got good perspective and, you know, good in-depth thoughts. I like his kind of inside knowledge. I like the way that he keeps track of the, the conference realignment scene. He's always one of the guys that I like to read. Kit Carson, I like a lot. Stalwart, I've always liked Stalwart Ram, even though he's down on CSU right now and and a little bit bitter, um, but uh, he's a good fan and and uh, one of my favorites to read. I always love Ram I Am, although he doesn't post as much. Who else we got? Uh, shoot, I don't know. There's so many. There's a lot of good basketball guys, like Give Me Fletch during hoop season, or Scablo, who we met in Indy. He was he was a cool dude. Tweeter's always awesome, you know, funny with the one-liners. He's <laughs> knows recruiting stuff, you know, and as much as, uh, I don't even know how you pronounce it, Lofaz's. While he he's pretty volatile, I, I do like his tracking of recruiting and, and what he brings there. There's a lot of guys that have their pluses and minuses. 
How about how about the minuses? How about the guys that are the nails on the chalkboard kind of guys? I'll give you. I'll give you. I mean, there's a there's a few few out there, but Ron Mexico, who's currently on a banning, he was a tough one for me this year just because he he had multiple multiple suspensions. He also had multiple private emails that said, "Hey, just cool it. You know, I'll let you stay if you can just knock off the." you know, personal attacks on players. And he's like, well, why, why, why do you have to be sent? Why do you have to censor? And, you know, we're gonna have to agree to disagree. I'm like, all right, we'll agree to disagree. You're not going to post anymore. So uh, he was banned. I, I give like San Fran a longer leash. I know you can't stand him. A lot of people can't. I, I, I mean, I, I actually don't give him that long of a leash anymore. He's had multiple long, long suspensions. I always get, let him come back just because I know he's a fan. He's just very irrational. Can't handle losing. Um, <laughs> And then uh, the other the other douchey guy this year was Rams fan. He was uh, I oh yeah he's the guy that basically ripped everything related to the Norvell and staff because he was had Adazio's back and judging by his IP address he was based in New England somewhere so he definitely had some sort of connection. first post was the day after Adazio yeah. got hired yeah he had some of. sort of connection to Adazio or someone on his staff he had an axe to grind. And by the way, if anyone who refers to themselves as Rams fan, you're not a real fan. Let's straighten this out once and for all. It's Ram fan. I'm a Ram fan. He's a Ram fan. We're all. I'm a CSU fan. Rams not fan. This Rams fan stuff. Come on. I Let am it roll a CSU off your Rams fan. I don't know right. what you're talking about. Stop it. Stop it. It's stupid. <laughs> so anyway, we don't need to get down the. We don't need to go into ripping. But uh, since we did a, a best poster, we got to talk about the negative posters. Uh, all right, so last one because because uh, we're gonna bring in Joe here in a second. But <clears throat> favorite podcast this year? Ooh man, gosh! I you know honestly, I, the first one with CJ was really good. Yeah, uh, great, great kid. I've really enjoyed getting to know him. You know, just learning about him. You know that that very first one was was it's so good, and he, he was just so smooth interacting with us. And so I, I like that one a lot. You know, Isaiah during the basketball season, you know, the 2021, 20, 22 season, that was, that was a good one. You know, we've had some great guests. I think those are the two that really stick out to me. Yeah. I had CJ up there. It was hard for me to pick one because there's a bunch that I really liked. CJ was one of them. Um, people have a tough, tough time with Joe Parker, but, I love our conversations with Joe. He's always willing to hop on every month and, and is very candid, gives us good insights. I love those conversations. why we do it all the time. Jimmy Kaler was awesome. Uh, we've yep. had him twice now. Uh, we had him again this year. I love the media ones with um, Kevin, Kevin Lytle, Brian Roth, Nigon. We had Justin Michael on, uh, yep. Steve Ivey, all, all, the, all, the good, all the good guys uh, in the media there. And then I loved our conversation with Chandler, which Steve was on, by the way, the yes. Jacobs interview. And then my, I think, I think if I was forced to, to rank a, a top, I think I would put the conversation with Albert Bimper. I thought he was fantastic. I can't remember if you were on that one, Mike. No, I had to step out. Like as soon as he came on, I was, you know, I was able to say hi to him, but then I had to go teach. Yeah. I remember you go shape our future. He gave me a couple questions to ask him, including how 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 uh, Peyton's hands were under under center. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that was a good one. So uh, lots more good ones to come, Mike. It's been a fun year. Always fun chatting with my partner in crime. Yep.
All right, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker. This is a fantastic place with two great restaurants. The Cash, which is a modern Colorado steakhouse offering steaks and chops, fine wine, and good whiskey. The other is the Cafe, which features a new take on farm-to-table American comfort food classics. Ginger and Baker also features a coffee shop, bakery, market, teaching kitchen, and event spaces. Man, if you're looking for something new and fun for the holidays, go to gingerandbaker.com slash calendar and check out all the cool events that they've got going on. Multiple opportunities to meet with Santa, bring the kids. There's the Ho Ho Holiday Pop-Up Market on the 10th. There's a Ginger and Baker Classic Pop Pie class. There is a Gingerbread House Decorating class. Tiki Time Cocktail class. So many fun events. Get out and enjoy the spirit of the holidays and support Ginger Graham, our friend who is just exceptional. Treat yourself to a world-class experience at Ginger and Baker, and you will fall in love with this place. All right, let's welcome in Athletic Director Joe Parker. Joe, how's everything going? Joel, Mike, good morning. Things are fine, yep. You have uh, any special Christmas plans that you guys do this this year? No, no. That Well, kids are coming home, our, our two. Ram grads will be back for about four days around Christmas, but we intentionally decided not to travel. I started counting up the number of days that we didn't have anything going on this fall since the start of the football season. I think uh, that the count is at three days where there wasn't some work-related obligation, uh, evening or weekend for either myself or Jen. So it's been a busy fall and we're just ready to dial it down a little bit. Well, it's always fun when the kids come home. I got one home and another one coming home in another day. So that's awesome. Nothing like it. Yep. Yep. It's the best. Well, you had a busy month, so uh, you didn't necessarily tip us off because I believe the last time we talked to you later that day, we found out that Tom was in fact retiring. Yeah. I want to bring this up. You know, (laughs) last year asked you about Nico's extension. Oh, you know, we'll, we'll visit it. We'll visit it. And then later that day, you you announced an extension while you're in Vegas. Then we ask you about golf. Oh, yeah, you know, we're looking into it. You know, you know, we're interviewing people. Within a day, you announced the new hire. <laughs> we got Tom Hilbert's retirement named out, said hours after our last one. We want these exclusives, Joe. Come on. Well, gentlemen, you know, Kyle Neves, who, who uh, is our – associate ad for strategic communications and brand enhancement you know there's opportunities for him to do some storytelling with mike brohard and the rest of the team that do all the content capture and push it out to to you guys so it's uh i get it exclusivities are nice but but at the same time i think it's important for us to to manage those those messages ourselves so you get a little bit of after the fact so i'm sorry about that (laughs) we are very good poker player joe all right. Well, what? So, speaking of volleyball, then, can you tell us what the interest was in the coaching position there, and what led you to make the decision to hire from within by promoting former associate head coach Emily Cohan to replace Tom, and what impressed you uh, with her as you interviewed her? Yeah, you know, it's always interesting. If you, I've always felt if you can, uh, you know, build up the the bench, so to speak, and and you know, find an opportunity for internal succession planning, it really helps. Um, you know, certainly with continuity and, and if the culture's right and you're moving in a, in a great direction and things are 
are as they should be, you know, it offers a real chance for uh, sustainability of what, what's been occurring. Um, you know, Emily's been with the department for about seven years. I think this was her seventh season. And, um, you know, so, so every day is a job interview, right? So we had a, an opportunity to really understand who she is and what she's all about. And when you look at her CV and her resume and the experience that she's had, you know, high level player at, um, at um, Iowa, a four-year captain there. Um, which is pretty extraordinary at, at a time, I think, too, when there was some turmoil in that program. So she she had a steady hand on the wheel and really understands the dynamics of a locker room and how to how to keep uh, students focused because, you know, she was a, a responsible student leader herself. And then she was a finance major at Iowa and, and, and fully intended and did embark on a career um, in, uh, in investment banking and just felt unfulfilled by it, you know, missed, missed the energy that was created by her volleyball experience at Iowa. And, and so she pivoted into the coaching world and first as a volunteer and then as a, a full-time assistant and uh, did a total of five years at Oregon State and then came to us, as I said, seven years ago. So we, we've had a long time to kind of get to know who she is and how she approaches coaching. But at the same time, too, in fairness to the program, we wanted to do a, a, a national search and survey the market and really understand who was out there. And, and at the end of the day, you know, the, the, our, uh, our focus turned back to, uh, to Emily and, and it was a really easy decision. Um, and, you know, we, uh, we made that decision last Friday, so almost a week ago. I had some travel, so we, we wanted to wait to make the team announcement. It's always important for us to inform the team if we can before any other uh, stakeholder group. And, and so Tuesday was the first time that I was back in town when Emily was there, too. She had to modify some of her travel because she's, she's uh, on the board of the Volleyball Coaches Association, and they're doing their national meetings around the Final Four this week in Omaha. So we, uh, we had a moment together on Tuesday morning and we made the introduction to the team and boy, you could see the, uh, the excitement and enthusiasm from them based on you know, what they know she's gonna be um, as a leader for our program. So, so we do have a, a, an event tomorrow afternoon. Um, it's uh, for the network and the, the network club and, and uh, really anyone who's got an interest in CSU volleyball and any interested media parties to, to do a, a more formal public introduction of her. But Kyle's team did a great job in capturing some of the enthusiasm that the team had on Tuesday morning. And, and Emily will make her way back from Omaha and we'll, we'll have the event tomorrow afternoon. How involved was Tom in the process or is this like him just stepping back completely? Yeah, you know, I mean, Tom's an incredible resource, but it's also, I think, it'd be unfair to lean on him too heavily. You know, we asked him for recommendations, and of course, Emily was um, one of his recommendations. He he was really bullish on on her ability to take the reins of the program, and and that was that was the his involvement. You know, he he provided other names, and and then he uh, was very respectful of, of the process, and and. Uh, you know, I, I called him, I was in Phoenix for Mountain West Board of Director meetings and had a chance to call him, uh, I guess it was on Monday morning. I'm not sure that he knew of our decision uh, at that point. You know, we asked Emily to kind of keep it quiet. We didn't want, um, you know, to, to, to have the news 
move uh, move outside the department, kind of close circles. So I don't know that she'd even talk to Tom about it. But he, of course, was excited about it. And, you know, I, it, it really does. I mean, she's she's done a tremendous job. I mean, Tom felt that she's been a, a big part of the success that they've had in the last seven years. And and, uh, you know, he says her capacity to, to work is unbelievable and in, in her work ethic and, and how she approaches it. And and she's already made all of her staffing decisions. She's keeping all of the all the people in place that have been awesome. Uh, Bree is is uh, Bree Olmstead is the as the uh, director of operations and and uh, Dree Dree Blackman um, Colbert, who everyone knew as a player here at CSU, is one of the assistants. And then she's also found someone in the in the community that that had been a volunteer assistant, played professional volleyball at an extremely high level that's going to fill out her other her other uh, full-time assistant spot. So continuity. So now we just pick up the baton and run, right? You've brought this up before when we've talked about Tom, and it's not just uh, – it wasn't just the good volleyball that made people show up at Moby. He was always out in the community and really working it and, and uh, getting to know people and – getting people enthused about volleyball. What did Tom mean from that standpoint for CSU athletics? And may there be a future role in some other capacity for him here, considering how, how good he is at that. Yeah. Right. Right now, um, Tom wants to explore opportunities outside of CSU. It's important to him to stay connected to the sport of volleyball. And if he were working for the university, there'd be some limitations on what he could do, particularly related to, uh, students of recruitable age. So, so you know, I, I think for now, whatever he does will be in an unofficial capacity and he's going to stay in the community. He's passionate about CSU volleyball. He wants to see this program have continued success. And I think, you know, it's really up to Emily in many ways. Uh, she might choose to, to, use, to use him. I, I think there are, you've diagnosed it. I think there's some really amazing opportunities from a from a outreach and engagement perspective that Tom can still, you know, continue to serve the program. He spent 26 years building, you know, hugely valuable relationships in the community uh, that have been the benefit of our volleyball program and quite frankly, to the entire department. So I, I think he'll always be uh, a great ambassador and, a, and an advocate and a, and a wonderful voice for, for the positivity that comes out of CSU athletics. So kind of changing topics what happened in Vegas uh, last month? You know, knowing you, getting to know you over the last few years, I know how diligent you are with, with details, and I know Ryan's commitment to his program. So how did we end up in such a disaster of a tournament? Yeah, I, I think it was a, a perfect storm of, of really just unfortunate circumstances. Um, you know, as I understand it, the, the Mirage where the, the Mirage Resort where the tournament was held was, uh, you know, close to a, a, a sale. So a transition of ownership. And so that that uh, I think took some of the existing staff members that were under the, um, you know, employment of the of the previous owners uh, that were stepping away, um, you know, less attentive to the, to the, to the needs. Um, you know, I think it was really unfortunate for the event organizers. I think they were caught flat footed. So it was just one of those moments where, you know, you would have expected a lot of support from the property and it just wasn't, wasn't there for the event itself. So I, I don't, 
I don't, you know, I, I don't imagine we'll ever see ourselves in that situation again, but um, it was, it was tough, um, particularly for, you know, the, the, the uh, uh, sports injury health related issue that happened, you know, that that's unacceptable. And, you know, fortunately, um, you know, that what didn't involve our team on, on one level, that's fortunate for us. And then on the other, you know, I think there was, a, you know, a positive outcome in the end for, for the student that, that was, was injured and, and awaiting, uh, you know, emergency care. Um, uh, but, but, you know, Mike, uh, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, you just hope those things, you know, we got to do our due diligence, understand the people that we're partnering with and, and, you know, we were a participant in it, you know, you know, you know, it's not the way we would ever represent ourselves as it, as it relates to event management. I mean, UCS executed at a high level always. Well, football didn't necessarily go the way that we all wanted it to three and nine record, but we did see a little bit of improvement there as the season went on. We saw some bonding. We saw a better product, uh, scored some points <laughs> down the stress, got a win at the, um, in the last game, which was nice. How did conversations go with Coach Norvell at the end of the season and anything interesting you could share there? Yeah, you know, Jay and I are talking throughout the season. You know, he he's, you know, continuously was giving updates on just the, the, the status of the roster and, and where he felt the team was, you know, I think the first month of the season. Um, and, and even, you know, as we were preparing in the spring and summer, you know, he, he said, I'm, I'm really, I won't know what kind of team I have until we start playing. And, and I think in the first month of the season, it was a bit of a surprise for him to see that, you know, some of the good work they felt they'd laid in place to, uh, to build cohesiveness within the locker room and a, and a, and a commitment to the program uh, really weren't at the level that he was expecting. And, and then you saw a lot of students, you know, before they played a, a fifth game, make their decision to separate from the team and, and, you know, take their, their football future in a different direction. And, and that's when, you know, we started seeing more cohesion in the locker room and, and, you know, every one of those kids that left, every one of those kids is, you know, I, I know most of them personally, they're, they're good people, but, you know, and, and to, uh, you know, to, to offer some level of support of their situation, you know, they've had three head coaches, three staffs, many of them in the time that they've been here. So that's, that's difficult, you know, to have to go prove yourself for a third time. So I think for many of them, they just decided, you know, it's time to take a little bit more control and, and move on. Um, but, you know, once you kind of got them separated from the team, I think you saw that there was opportunities then for, you know, a cohesive, um, attitude, you know, to really develop within the locker room. And that's when we started making, you know, forward progress and started playing more as a team. And, you know, you know, it's such a cliche, but football is absolutely the ultimate team sport. And if you've got selfless individuals, 11 of them on the field and at a given time that are committed to doing their job and are confident and trusting that their teammate is going to do theirs, that's when uh, progress is made. And that's what we saw certainly in the, in the latter half of the season. Uh, defensively, you know, the team played remarkably well and you got to give a ton of credit to the players, but also the staff. Freddie Banks is is really, I think, a, a genuine leader in, in the sport of football. And I'm really excited to see, you know, how his career progresses. And it, it'll be exciting for us to see him develop the the defense over the next, the upcoming offseason and, and, uh, and the next season. And if we can still continue to play at a high level on defense and we, we get the offense to 
began to perform at, at, at what, um, you know, we all know uh, Jay and that staff is capable of doing with, um, you know, talent on the offensive side of the ball. You know, we've got a chance to have a, a, a wonderful year in 2023. And, you know, we always have an aggressive non-conference schedule. So, you know, who knows what what it'll look like in September. But I think by the time we hit conference play next year, you know, we're going to see uh, the results of all the hard work and effort and and just the culture that's being built inside of Canvas Stadium right now. Have you talked about what his priorities are at all on uh, during recruiting here? Um, you know, the wide receiver room is always a priority, you know, so I think you're, you're seeing them try and find kids of, of height and length, um, you know, with athletic ability. And I think they feel, you know, they, they can always coach a kid up. Uh, they, they always like multi-sport student athletes. Um, you know, of course the offensive line is, is a, is a definite need and an area where, uh, they're trying to find more, more talent and, and the opportunity for, um, you know, more bodies, of course, but, but, you know, people that are going to play the type of football that coach best wants to see on the offensive line. And, um, and then, you know, I think they're trying to fill in gaps in, in other areas, but they're, they're happy with kind of the core roster that they finished the season with. And, and I think there's stability in, in that, uh, group of, of students. They've certainly bought in on the, on the commitment continuum. They're, they're committed and compelled. Um, I think before we, we didn't have uh, students or were quite at that level. Some were only at compliant and others were, you know, probably voices because of their own disappointment that were kind of trying to move things in a different direction. And, you know, Jay, Jay's seasoned. He knows how to lead a team of young men. Uh, he knows how to build a program. And, and I'm confident that he's doing just that. Um, yeah, I've been proud of our fans too. I think for the most part, they all recognize that that uh, he inherited a difficult situation, and and it's been a while since we've performed, um, you know, in the way that we want to with wins and losses. So it's it's time now just to kind of get focused and and use the the value of this next eight months to to get ready for what's ahead in twenty three. Now, um, with the with the football schedule coming out, any chance that you could get the uh, UNLV game and the Broncos game on the same weekend? So. Uh, so I can make a full week out of it. Uh, I, you know, they're, they're going to tell us what it is. They're, we can make one schedule request. Every school for the conference is allowed to make one schedule request. And what we do each and every time is um, uh, we request that they don't bookend fall break with home games because that, that just crushes attendance because obviously at the front end or the back end, the students are not likely to be with us. And that, that just is challenging. Um, and, and then, you know, we're going to, we're going to continue to partner with uh, the Poudre school district to do the, the canvas classic. That, um, so that'll be another date. That's not a request, but that'll be a date that when the stadium is not available. So that'll either have to be a bye week or a road road game for us. And um you know, so that's that's the only two two things that that really kind of influence possibly how they schedule the the non or the conference schedule for us. And of course, next year we remove you know divisions, so that'll be that'll be new for the conference schedule. No more no more Mountain, no more West, and that's all with the expectation that we can put the top the very two top teams um, performance wise together in a championship game. Was the extra game the championship game a revenue maker at all for the league 
It, it, it makes it. Yes. I mean, there's, there's, it, it, it uh, has a net number. Um, think the, the revenue generation with TV and gate is probably about 1.5 million. And then the expenses is about $600,000. So it's, it's a net of a little less than a million dollars. So, and, and, and so the way it will work, they will just take the top two teams and will they play a championship game still or that that's the plan. We've made no choice to do anything different, but you know, we're always evaluating what's the best way to, to put our top team um, into the CFP. And as the CFP expands to 12 teams, uh, they're taking the top six ranked um, FBS conference champions and populating them first in the first six spots. And then there'll be six at large. So our, our best opportunity is to finish the season as a Mountain West champion. And, and hopefully league play has been strong enough where we're ranked, um, you know, as, as the top uh, group of five conference with our champion being that six spot. So, so that, that's, uh, you know, that was a big, a part of our discussion while we were in Phoenix with the board, which is the presidents of the Mountain West, and no decisions were made as to whether we'll continue long term with the championship game. But, but you know, for sure in the next couple seasons, I think we'll see it, and they'll they'll assess whether it's important to keep that in place or whether that's detrimental to trying to get someone into the into the CFB. Switch over to hoops here. Saw you and Jen come down behind the bench in Boulder and uh, promptly get directed elsewhere where do they send you off to up in the rafter somewhere uh well i i had a i came in the back way where they told us to park and i got a credential and then we had to actually get tickets i wasn't sure exactly where our seats were so had to go up to the player guest will call and then make my way back down so so no big deal they they were doing their jobs and and i was just trying to figure out where i was supposed to sit Pretty hostile environment, I would say. Yeah, they had a great crowd there. You know, you'd expect that. You know, and that that's why I, yeah, golly. You know, I, I mean, we, we ought to play them in every sport every year. You know, it just, it, it it's it's one week, whether we're playing in basketball, men's basketball, women's basketball, volleyball, um, you know, football. It's the week of the season for those sports where, you know, there's a ton of interest in in you know, college athletics and it, it just, and, and I get it, you know, they, they, in football, they want to preserve a little more flexibility in their non, non-conference schedule. But, but honestly, you know, I think it's, it, it will be good for, for us and them uh, to always find a way to play, but yeah, it was, they had a near capacity crowd and, and, and uh, you know, they, they, they showed up, they showed up to play. Speaking of the playing them, I, I saw Tad Boyle last week, the day before the game or the morning of the game with a news article saying that he will evaluate whether or not to play us again next year. Of course, it's when it's supposed to be at Moby and, you know, we will be a little bit uh, more experienced next year. So does that like how do we how, and I, I know this is largely on the coaches that, that set their schedule, but this doesn't seem fair that he. Dodge dodges last year when we had a pretty strong team, obviously. And um, now they, we go to Boulder this year. Now he's already waffling a little bit on whether or not to play us next year. How, how does that contract work? Was the contract up this year? Was it just a two-year thing? Or how can we get these guys 
committed to a annual thing. Yeah, it, it, you know, it, it does happen really in basketball, mostly at the coaching level. And, and I'll, I'll try and have a conversation with Rick, you know, sometime this spring about just, just what's in the best interest of, of, you know, college sports in our state, you know, as, as you look at, you know, TV revenue and, and, you know, try, you know, everyone's trying to manufacture great lineups and great opportunities for TV audiences. And, and usually those matchups are the ones that fill venues as well. You know, and I think that's something all of us are, are trying to do always, you know, so hopefully, hopefully, you know, we can take it out of the coaches decision-making, you know, and, and bring it more towards the administrative model of decision-making um, you know, cause coaches are, you know, coaches are concerned about win loss records. Coaches are concerned about impacts on careers and not that we're, I'm not concerned about those things. You know, we still, we still need to do what's in the best interest of fan engagement and, and what supports our, our, uh, you know, each of our very, uh, stretched financial models. Are you sure you're going to be able to find time with, with Rick considering he's got a lot of handling to do with his new coach, his new football um, coach up there. We're all busy, but we can always find time. <laughs> we can always find time for a breakfast or a beer. I'm sure that's possible. What have you thought about this spectacle going on in Boulder with coach Sanders being hired? Yeah. You know, I, I, I understand the, the, the attractiveness to making that decision for a hire, you know, they, they were trying to, find a very unique way to re-energize their fan base. And obviously that's, they've, they've done that and, uh, you know, applaud that decision. And and like every one of us, when we make a, a hire, it's, it's, uh, you don't want to hear this, but in some ways it's always a grand experiment. So they've, they've just, they've just taken on one of the grandest of them all. So we'll see how it goes. It'll be interesting to watch. So anytime, Anytime CSU gets CSU fans get excited about an in-state recruit, their fans, CU fans, automatically come with, well, we didn't offer. We didn't <laughs> offer. So <clears throat> Mr. Sanders claimed that we interviewed him last year for the head coaching job. So can we tell our CU friends, hey, we didn't offer? Uh, we we did not interview Coach Sanders for our job. So um, you know, it, it, it's interesting how information moves, you know, whether there's truth or not, but no, we, we, I've never met Deion Sanders. I've never been other than, other than, uh, last week when we were all in their event center, that was the first time I shared common space with Deion Sanders. So, <laughs> so we didn't offer. All right. Love it. <laughs> You go with that narrative, Michael. <laughs> you can use it. I give you permission. All right. So now it's time for the Olympic sports segment. Um, so women's soccer record-wise kind of took a step back from the year before. But if you really watch those matches, you know, we were so close to having a, a you know, phenomenal season. We, there was five, I think, five matches where we either gave up the uh, the winning goal or or – the equalizer at the death, you know, in the 89th minute heading into next year, or what were your discussions with coach Hagan after the end of the season? And, and what are the expectations for the spring and then next year's uh, regular season? 
Yeah, she, um, you know, I think she, she diagnosed it, you know, that, that, uh, you know, her first year, she had the advantage, I think, of some, some students that, that were more aggressive scorers. Um, and, and when those kids cycled off the roster, you know, she said this year is going to be a little bit more like a first year. So they, uh, I think they made a lot of progress in, in certain aspects of the program, um, you know, overall team conditioning, I think, was at a, is at a at a high level. I think students understand now what the expectation is to meet meet the standard of of uh, fitness. Um, I think we saw a high level of defensive play, um, and now it's just a matter of finding people that really want to be aggressive scorers that want the ball at the critical times. And and uh, you know, she's she's done a nice job with with the existing roster, I think we're going to see great progress with how she supplements it with, uh, with some incoming first years and then, and then opportunities to find some talent through the transfer portal. All right. Uh, cross country accomplished something that we haven't had that we haven't done in a decade and a half. Um, would you share your thoughts on, uh, on the season and first year head coach, Andrew Epperson? Yeah. Andrew, much like, Emily Cohen, you know, he, he was, uh, you know, an, an internal hire for us, um, had, had proven himself as a really valuable assistant and, and learned a ton from Art Seamers, who'd been, you know, a, a tremendous leader for the distance group and the cross-country program. Art made a decision to retire from coaching, and he and his wife have moved to Chattanooga, Tennessee for, for her job. So, you know, it was great to have a chance to elevate Andrew and and the students, you know, I think much like the reaction we saw from volleyball, we're thrilled when, when we made that decision and, and we haven't missed a beat. And that's what you love to see when you've got great internal talent that you can just have a natural succession plan. So Andrew, uh, Andrew knows the sport tremendously well. He's a high level runner himself. Um, you know, he's got really proven training methodologies and he has the trust of the program, both the men and the women believe what he's doing to prepare them and and we saw the benefits of that they both both teams finished runner-up in conference you know it's always nice to to bring uh bring trophies home but but they lost out to two really really um talented programs and and then we for the first time ever as you said you know we had both teams uh able to qualify for the ncaa championship and and I think they both both programs felt like they didn't have the the best runs of their season um, at the championship event, uh, but but we did have two top thirty teams in the nation, which is pretty pretty darn good for for uh, you know for us, and and it gives us an opportunity to build on the future, and and that's exactly what Andrew's going to do. I think you know he returns a lot of the the women's roster in cross country, and he's got to do a little bit of rebuilding a little bit of supplement for the men's roster, but I'm confident that, that they'll uh, be prepared to perform, perform at a high level again. Another one of your recent hires, Michael Wilson, uh, led our men's golf team through a very successful fall. I mean, they walked through everybody here in the state in uh, those three tournaments. Um, what are the expectations going into the spring? Uh, to continue winning, you know, that spring is, is where, you know, the, the, the season that's really measured happens. Um, so, you know, they need to, um, you know, really get, get focused and prepared. Yeah. So, so the spring is going to be all about trying to pick up where they left off in the fall and continue to, to, uh, you know, have high level play from, 
from those that get an opportunity to play in tournaments. And, and that's always a challenge with golf is, you know, we've got a, a pretty deep bench and that's beneficial for Michael as a coach to be able to select the guys that he thinks are going to be uh, the best performers of the week. But it also means that you're leaving kids behind that, that have an opportunity. But Michael is doing exactly what we expected him to do. Um, you know, he had a, a great roster they inherited. You know, Christian had really built the team to to a sustainable level of success. And, and we, you know, we've seen that the guys have responded and are performing well. You know, Michael brought in some new concepts for training and I think has done a good job at building relationships within the roster. And, and like any situation when you're coaching, you know, trust is a key element of it. And, and I think the guys believe in what they're doing together under his leadership. Can you talk about, we, we've talked about NIL and, and what's going on behind the scenes here, but uh, our last conversation was before the new green and gold guard collective was officially announced. Can you talk about what that effort is going to mean for CO2 athletics and our student athletes? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought it up. If you didn't, I was going to myself. Um, you, you know, we, while well, we're 18 months into to, uh, you know, uh, the NIL era of intercollegiate athletics and we really took our time to kind of understand where things were moving. You know, we didn't want to um, overcommit in certain areas with resources and whatever we decided to do, we want to ensure that it was going to be sustainable. So you saw the department announcement um, related to the stalwart journey, which is the umbrella that we're kind of packaging all of the life skills and, and um, you know, life beyond campus preparation, as well as uh, opportunities that we're trying to provide our student athletes to, to connect with uh, businesses in the NIL space. So, you know, we, we really like the idea of, of journey. Um, and obviously stalwart is a, is an important, um, you know, word to all of us, you know, and how it represents, you know, how we feel about ourselves and what we expect. Uh, so stalwart journey is an opportunity for a student athlete to assume really, truly responsibility for, for how they want to create their path here at CSU. And it, it can include elements of Ram life where they're, you know, really getting focused on a career beyond sport. Um, it, it can include um, opportunities to supplement, uh, you know, their scholarship with NIL opportunities. And we engage with open doors to create a, a marketplace where they have profiles that, that can be uh, searched by businesses that that are interested in connecting with our students for uh, sponsorship endorsement opportunities or even even if a student had an interest in, in doing a sports clinic that's another way that um, you know the public can connect with our students to to help you know if they have a, a son or a daughter that's involved in the sport and they want you know some individualized training you know they can make that approach through open doors um, and then we did a uh, a program with the College of Business that's that's you know ever evolving, but we wanted to create some baseline um, educational opportunities for our students to really understand how to manage their brand and the things they need to think about if they're going to build a business enterprise around their name, image, and likeness. And then, and then of course, uh, what you had referenced, um, you know, when you started to kind of ask um, for for my comment, the Green and Gold Guard is. Uh, something that's happening outside the department. Um, it has to. It, it's it's a, a collective, which I think for those of you that are focused on college sports, it's been sort of the the the, the word of the year. 
uh, so, so to speak. And I've got to give a ton of credit to one of our really engaged alumni, and that's John Weber. Um, John, John really took uh, the initiative on his back, uh, built a framework within um, uh, the Green and Gold Foundation to create the Green and Gold Guard, and that is uh, truly it's 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 a collective that operates like every other collective in the United States. So it it has a, a membership model and a way for people to, um, you know, subscribe on a monthly basis to support student athletes through NIL opportunities, or it also has just a conduit for one-time support, you know, where he's seeking kind of bigger commitments from people to help. And they did a, a, a golf uh, outing of ooh, a few months ago now at, at Harmony, at the Harmony Club, and it was uh, geared towards um, supporting the men's basketball program and uh, they found people to participate in that golf outing. And then the, the celebrities, so to speak, that were there to engage with the people that were playing in that tournament were our, our men's basketball roster. And, and so that was an effort by the Green and Gold Guard. And, um, you know, so, so I, I would encourage anyone and everyone that's got an interest in supporting CSU athletics more direct or CSU student athletes more directly that you know, an avenue to consider is the Green and Gold Guard and a way to do that. And John, John's a really talented um, high-tech entrepreneur, and, and he's retired now, so to speak, from his, you know, more, more focused career. And we're just lucky that he's shown an interest in, in doing this. And he's, he's pulled an advisory group together that helps uh, match students to businesses. So if there's a company that has an interest in, in, you know, per particular sports personality that's on this, one of the CSU rosters, you know, they'll help do a little matchmaking there as well. John is a great guy. I've had multiple conversations with him and very smart. And I think the thought he's put into this is, is amazing. So, um, yeah, he, he, you know, I mean, I want to talk a little bit more about John, you know, what a guy of, you know, huge integrity, you know, is doing this, um, you know, I think with, with all the right motivations, um, you know, trying to help, students more than anything else, but at the same time recognizes that if we can help support our students more directly via, you know, these financial avenues that, you know, we can preserve talent on our roster. And, you know, we'll, we'll never be a school that's, you know, trying to influence the recruiting process with, with NIL. Um, but, you know, if we get a, a student that develops under our, uh, our, uh, you know, model here at CSU and, and, and they, you know, become a high performer. I think the green and gold guard, you know, is prepared to find ways to try and support, you know, some of the gaps that they need financially beyond the scholarship itself. And, you know, we're a, a market that has, um, you know, high housing costs and that's kind of the baseline for everyone's budget, you know, a student or, or any one of us, you know, you got you need a place to live. And if, and if you can't afford to do that, it makes it hard to do everything else. You've always been real clear about the fact that the collective is separate. You're not involved in that at all, right? But you hear these stories, like just yesterday, I read a story about how Ohio State missed out on a five-star recruit to Georgia because Georgia was offering X amount of dollars per year and Ohio State couldn't compete with that. I find that hard to believe, but that was the narrative of this story. How is that happening? I mean, is are the coaches like in unison with these collectives knowing what they can 
can, can the coaches make these offers saying, Hey, we've got a collective here and they can give you this or they do, they have to stay out of it technically. Uh, you know, technically if, if people are interested in following the rules, there should be no facilitation whatsoever. So a coach or a staff member cannot engage in a conversation that would suggest that by coming to your school, signing a, a national letter of intent is going to mean anything as it relates to their ability to earn NIL um, compensation. So, so, I, you know, to answer your question, you know, Joel, I, I, you know, I, I guess others feel comfortable having those conversations if they're taking place and, and that's unfortunate, um, but it's sort of the nature of our space. You know, there's, there's a high level of competition and people are willing to, I think, you know, uh, put toes on lines and even cross lines sometimes that they think it's going to deliver an advantage to them. And that's, that's not what college sports is about. That's not what sports is about, but you know, we're, we're going to do it right. You know, that's the only way I've ever known to do it. Um, you know, we're not going to compromise integrity. Winning with integrity is the only way to do it. And, and uh, you know, I want to be able to, and every one of our coaches wants to be able to rest easy at night that they've put rosters together in the way that's permissible and, and, you know, created no risk for the university. You know, our, our brand, we're one of seven schools that has never had a major violation. And uh, our intent is to stay that way. Well, the rule bending in college athletics has been forever, right? But now it just seems like Wild West. It's all out in the open. And until someone gets their hand slapped, I think it's just going to continue that way. But I do love that. And and uh, I, I really do appreciate the fact that we are one of those seven because uh, that's one of the things you can hang your hat on and be proud of about our university. And one last question about that. Um, are our coaches running into and I think you may have mentioned this I think Nico hinted at this a while back but um, are coaches running into situations where they're in front of student athletes and these student athletes are saying hey well I need this and what do we do at that point do we say hey well we've got a program we'll direct you there or do we just say we're out <laughs> you know this is not what we're looking for to partner or to, to bring into our university yeah, I think for all of our coaches, if that's the number one interest of a prospective student athlete, then they're not a student athlete that's probably likely going to find success here at CSU. They're not going to be fulfilled, um, you know, but but if a, a student, you know, wants a a traditional experience with, you know, bona fide opportunities in the NIL space, then, you know, I think we've got an opportunity to compete. Um and, and we've talked a lot as a staff, you know, and we will more, um, you know, in June, we always do a head coaches retreat. And, and so I'm sure that'll be one of our major agenda items is just an assessment of what the landscape is, is uh, looking like with, you know, almost at that point, two full years of NIL in place. And, and what, what we're trying to do is build tremendously successful teams that students feel fulfilled with their role within the team obviously give them an opportunity to, to earn a, a, a world-class college education, doing everything we can to prepare them for life beyond sport. And then if we can, if there's opportunities to supplement, you know, with NIL and other things like academic awards that are permissible now, you know, we're, we're going to do that at, at, a, at a measure that's sustainable for us. And, and, I, and I say that, and, you know, you know, the green and gold guard, you know, I don't know how successful they'll be at continuing to raise money and what they're going to be able to do, you know, long-term. 
and honestly, I'm not even sure what collectives will look like in, in two to three years. You know, will there be any level of government intervention to, to manage and control this? Some of those are, you know, trying to create, you know, an opportunity for, you know, nonprofit status. That's not the direction that, that uh, the Green and Gold Guard has gone. But, you know, there, there's a lot of fluidity to it. But I think if we can create a really high-performing traditional athletic experience, it's going to be really difficult for for students to uh, to leave our programs and and seek you know a new opportunity just simply for you know for for you know a few thousand dollars a month you know I I just don't see it happening I think there's still students that that want to be a part of a great team you know have a great coaching experience and and get an education and and move beyond um, beyond you know their their sport upon graduation well good stuff Joe. Appreciate your time as always. Really enjoy hearing your insights on everything. Bet, guys. Hope you have a great Christmas. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Let's uh, let's keep focused and keep doing this together. Build it together and go Rams. Go Rams. Thanks, Joe. All right, that'll do it. I want to thank you all for listening. In fact, thank you for listening all year long. Really appreciate the support and all the great comments and feedback we've had all year. Thanks to those of you who have partaken in our small NAL efforts to bring in CJ Onyechi, Tavy Jackson, John Tanjay. It's been a really cool experience to have them, and I know they've been appreciative too. Lots more to come on that in the second semester here. Just a reminder to support our great sponsors, Peterson Toyota and Ginger and Baker, two great CSU supporters and Ram Nation partners as well. Hope you all have a very... Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Probably won't talk to you again before then, but uh, be well. Go Rams. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.